Call the neighbors and fetch the kids. It's time for Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. From connected cars to electric planes, Ken and Sasha have the information to keep you well-informed. So get ready, get set, and go. Here's Ken and Sasha. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Welcome to hour number two of Roadworthy Drive, America's premier and your favorite mobility News and Technology Talk Show. Ken Chester and Sasha J. Little locked and loaded for another hour of conversation, debate, and information. Glad you could be with us. This hour, my review of the 2019 Lexus GX 460 Luxury SUV and that popular segment known America Over Tech with Sasha. If you're a first-timer and want to engage with us in the midst of the usual mischief and mayhem, Text or call the Roadworthy Driveline, that number, 872-222-9793. If email is your thing, then it's ken at roadworthydrive.net. We'll get you connected, and we want to hear from you. Speaking of snark and sarcasm, please say hi to my bright and bratty co-host, the always opinionated but never caffeinated Sausage Day Little. Hey there. Hey, you. And wait a minute. I need to ask you a question. Yes, sir. Didn't I see you get some coffee this morning? I mean, does that count? Uh, it means that you were caffeinated. I, I was caffeinated this morning on top of taking my absolute favorite uh, caffeine pill, which is the stacker. Oh, my. XPLC, yeah. That kind of explains a few things. Does it? Yeah. The little <laughs> extra bite in the snark. Yeah. <laughs> Was wondering about that. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. Not a problem. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Sasha. Yes, sir. How do you feel about the Chevy Corvette? You know, I have never really been a fan. Have you ever ridden in one? I have. Uh-huh. New one? Uh, the newest one that I have ridden in was actually and got to drive it ever so briefly with the two, 2017. Ah, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, what if I told you right now? that you could probably get a good deal on a brand new one. Like, as in 2018 or 19? Yes. Oh, both of them, because so, they're trying to get rid of their 18s now that it's 19 and 19s. Yes. You know what? That does not surprise me, because do you remember the Dodge Darts that stayed brand uh, new for sale for like two years afterwards? You are a performance car to a car that was barely in production for a few years. I am going to compare one that was actually wow. useful and cool looking as opposed to one that's just overrated. Ah. Uh, how, <laughs> how, how you knock the dart like that? Overrated, really? No. No, wow. no that was vice versa. That was vice versa. Yeah. No. Here's the thing. What do you got? 9,000 is the number. I was about to say, I, I could buy one for 9,000? No, ma'am. Because I'll buy one no, for 9,000. No, I'm sure 000. you would. Then I'll... it's suddenly not overrated. <laughs> no, ma'am. There are 9,000 unsold brand new Chevy Corvettes sitting on dealer lots right now. Of what year? Or is that a combination of both? Combination of both. And is that, like, you're going to have to break that down to me because, again, I think the Corvette is horrifically overrated. Well, what, see, that you didn't spend enough time with it. What What is the breakdown on that? Like, what is their normal unsold per year? Do they uh, say that? Way less than this. It's 232 days worth of inventory based on their sales rates. Well, I mean, is that because most many of their buyers went to like a different sports car or no. they just never? The CA, okay, the current vehicle in production uh -huh. 
is the seventh generation. They call it the C7. They know a C8 is coming out, which is going to be blow your socks off, mid-engined, oh my godly, uh, everything that this thing is cool, that thing's even more cool. Okay. Uh, so you've got some people waiting. Um, having this many, I mean, it's a seasonal car. You don't buy this car to drive in the wintertime. No, unless, what? of course, Unless, of course, you live in Arizona, Florida, Texas. Maybe down south. You know, some Arizona police were di- were trying to discover what this white, fluffy stuff that was falling from the sky. I heard about yeah, that. Yeah, that was a whole investigation. I heard about yeah. that. To give you an idea about comparison, 180,000 Corvettes have been sold since the C7 went on sale about six years ago. Just to give you an idea of the split. Now, the big question, why would dealers order a car that's not selling? <laughs> One of those excuses, allocation. When the C8s come out, they're going to look at the record of what you sold in C7s. And if you didn't sell enough, you won't get the new ones, and everybody's going to want the new ones. Bottom line, people, if you're thinking about buying a new Corvette and you don't have to wait for the new C8, go to your dealer, go online. If you're ever going to get a deal on this car, and it's an awesome car, Now's the time, and I wanted to share that. Yeah. Um, going to the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Got a word for you. Two words. Uh huh. Aston Martin. Okay. All electric. Uh huh. Luxury. Electric vehicle. They call it the Lagonda All Terrain SUV. Looks nothing like any SUV you've ever seen. Uh, you know what? I think I saw that article, and that is a phenomenal. Uh, it's just a concept, right, at this point? It is at this point, right? but it is pointing towards the design direction that Aston Martin wants to take with this line. Right. The Lagonda line, the Lagonda name, is legendary in Aston Martin history, and they were going to bring it back um, back in 2014. Back then, they were looking at a luxury sedan. Now, of course, uh, the fact that everybody's gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over SUVs, they're going to make it an SUV. But... Okay. It's a nameplate as opposed to a model, and it's going to be where all their electric vehicles are going to be. In other words, if it's an Aston Martin and it's electric, it's going to be a Lagonda uh, variant. And here's the thing. They want it to perform as well, as fast, as fancy as their standard 5.9 liter 12-cylinder engine. Ooh. These puppies are going to be fast. Yeah. The, the other thing, they're talking about, obviously, multiple electric motors. I wouldn't be surprised to see one at each wheel. Okay. And they're talking about, for range, Sasha, uh-huh. 400 miles. It's absolutely of no use to me because I will not be able to afford an Aston Martin. Nor oh. would I allow my children to get in and out of the type of sick money that i would have to spend on i want to sit in a thing do you really yeah i i I didn't say i want to drive it i want to sit in it okay that's all all right didn't say i want to drive it because one (laughs) this is not a press pool car i'll ever get Uh, right right Number two i'd be scared of even a bird landing on the thing it sees a squirrel and it freaks out pretty much yeah yeah uh but the fact is that even a niche manufacturer like aston martin feels the need to go, one, SUV, two, all electric. But that shouldn't be surprising, though. Porsche did the same thing. Porsche did. But Porsche also builds more cars than Uh, Aston Martin does. Didn't Bentley? 
Uh, Bentley. Well, Bentley went with the SUV. I'm still waiting to see if they're going to go electric. Oh, that's right. They because there was a hint that they might, but it wasn't confirmed or denied. But understand something. For these companies to go electric, mm-hmm. they're building whatever they're doing from complete scratch. There's nothing they can take off the shelf nope. and modify. This is complete brand new sheet of paper from the ground up kind of vehicle, which makes it exciting. It's yes, going to it make does. it expensive but to all the haters out there that says well i don't know if an electric car got power did i mention aston martin did i mention I porsche mean, i mean did i mention mercedes-benz yeah did i mention bmw all these companies are going electric all these companies are known for luxury and performance yeah and, and- their new vehicles are not going to be anything less than the gasoline engine vehicles they sell now well, and I mean, we talked about on Tech with Sasha last week, billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars being spent to, you know, for these automakers to go full on electric. Changing gears, literally. Oh, goodness. How about a cheap Chinese car, electric car? Uh-huh. Less than nine grand. Can you get with that? Okay. For who's, okay. First question. Is it powered by the same guinea pig that you just got rid of that was powering your laptop? Why are you going to be putting my laptop out? <laughs> Why are you be hating on my you laptop? You should have seen the dinosaur that uh, he has. Now, you know what? I love my laptop. Leave me alone. It is literally. It gets the job done. Four inches thick, though. You know what? What? Gets done. Six inches. should have seen the first laptop I ever had 20 years ago. That thing was You laughable. probably still have it. No. Do you, do you surf and play no. like Minecraft on it? No. No? Okay. That, that thing wouldn't even, Minecraft would overwhelm it. No, Minesweep. I meant Minesweep. Uh, at this point, Solitaire <laughs> would have overwhelmed the first one. <laughs> I don't think it could have handled Solitaire. <laughs> anyway, China's developing uh, a hot category called Tiny Cars. Oh, okay. Less than 40 miles an hour. They run on cheap lead-acid batteries, and they're all electric. Uh, they think they can bring these to America. But I don't think it's going to work because alone, mm-hmm. they would have to add a crash protection that would increase the weight and not make these things practical at all. But they think they can get it done. And they think that if they did a U.S. version, it would start at about 8950 bucks. I just, I, but it goes under 40 mile an hour. So I yeah, mean, and only goes 75 miles on a single charge. But they cost less than nine grand now. Yeah. Oh, well. Next up, I review the 2019 Lexus GX460 SUV. Stay tuned. Roadworthy Drive is a cornerstone of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. If we were to tell you this 1969 luxury car cost more than $5,000, you'd probably believe it. If we were to tell you this car has a longer wheelbase than its competition, you'd have to believe it. If we were to tell you this new model has a wider tread than any car in its class, you'd agree, because seeing is believing. If we were to tell you that the revolutionary interior design gives the spacious front seat the comfort and ease of home, you'd think it belonged in one of America's more expensive cars. But if we were to tell you that this is a 1969 LTD by Ford, you probably wouldn't believe it. Don't believe it until you see it at your Ford dealers, the place you've got to go to see what's going on. 
If you're just looking for a better idea, you found it. Right here. You're tuned to Roadworthy Drive. Ken and Sasha are piloting this flight, and you can relax. We're well qualified for this type of equipment. Thank you for flying the friendly skies. I'm recently back from the Media Days to Chicago Auto Show, and I've been going every year since about 19, well, the late 1990s. Uh, one of the advantages of being an automotive journalist and radio talk show host is that I get new vehicles to review, usually for a week at a time. Since I live some five hours from Chicago by vehicle, that means an annual drive to and from the show, rain or shine, snow or otherwise, in vehicles usually provided by the automakers. This year, my return home vehicle was the 2019 Lexus GX 460 Luxury SUV. Now. A little history first. It was originally introduced in January 2002 as a 2003 vehicle in the United States, and it slotted between the smaller RX that most people are aware of and the larger LX, which people are aware of, uh, and it's currently in its second generation. Basically, uh, it went into its second generation back in 2009, so it's a little bit long in the tooth. The Lexus LX460 is what I would consider a traditional SUV. That means it's a truck-like body-on-frame construction, which you don't see too much anymore. And what that means is that there is a separate, what they call, running chassis or rolling chassis of uh, the frame, the engine, suspension parts with the body that is actually mounted to that in what you may have seen uh, in previous years where they meet the body to the frame. Yeah, this is one of those. It's powered by a 4.6-liter V8, and is bolted to a six-speed automatic transmission. Four-wheel drive, full-time four-wheel drive is standard, and it has a Torsen limited slip center differential. Now, this vehicle, they don't make it in big numbers, so you may not have even heard of the thing. So, not to worry. It's available in base and luxury models. They gave me the luxury model, of course. And it's a mechanical sibling, believe it or not, of the Toyota 4Runner, and I bet you didn't know that. When they launched this back in the early 2000s, uh, they had invited me. I was actually at an event with it in Park City, Utah, which is some 8,000 um, feet above sea level. Uh, the key words in surviving at high altitude is uh, water and ibuprofen. Otherwise, very nasty things happen to your body, uh, and it's not pleasant, and I found out the hard way. At first glance, the way that this SUV is built, it seems kind of tall and narrow. And you, you were concerned that, gee, if I took it off-road, this thing might fall over. Um, Lexus said, no problem. They took us deep off-road, and I do mean deep off-road, into uh, the Utah backcountry. And I found out firsthand why this body-on-frame vehicle makes sense. It was solid, it was dependable, and it was able to do things that you wouldn't think a luxury SUV would do at first blush. Did I mention body-on-frame construction? That is what separates it. When the going gets tough, this thing hangs, hangs tough because you don't have the compromise of a unibody vehicle where the body is the same and it may bend and twist, particularly when you get into those situations where you're on uneven surfaces. This does exceptionally well. It was more than able to handle no matter what we threw at the thing. And I came to really appreciate its off-road abilities. However, 
uh, if I got to pick something, I was less impressed with its on-road manners. I mean, it drove well, and I had a commanding view of the road. I mean, you get it's up there. You get to see what's going on. However, being truck-like, it means that it was heavy. And this thing comes in at about 5,100 pounds. So you're talking about two and a half tons of vehicle that you have to push around. And I found myself having to really push accelerator to really push the vehicle down the road. And I felt for a V8 that size, and particularly nowadays, that that required a lot more work and a lot worse fuel economy to get this vehicle to just maintain an even speed uh, at highway speeds. And that was dry ground, flat ground. So, yeah, um, we call it in the Midwest um, an appropriate velocity to cover the miles of wide open spaces. And if anybody asks me different, that's all I'm going to admit to, quite possibly. You can expect a fuel economy number as a result, and they're low, of 15 miles a gallon city, 20 miles a gallon highway. The good news is you don't need premium unleaded. And I'm glad for that. Now, while this SUV has, in fact, evolved over the years, it carries some pretty serious safety equipment. But then again, for the Lexus and Toyota lines, they've made that a priority in recent years, and the GX is no exception. However, I think this vehicle is better suited for those of us, and you know who you are, who are reluctant or put off at the crush of all of this new technology that often steers you in the face when you get in a new vehicle. Lexus has not really uh, improved or changed the look of this or, or the running gear of this in almost 10 years. No, I'm sorry, in 10 years. As a result, it's starting to show its age. The bottom line is, if you're a traditionalist and if you're not, if you want a modern vehicle without the crush of all the technology and gas mileage is not a major issue for you, this might be the vehicle you might want to consider. It's not going to slap you in the face with technology, and it's going to do with what I call technology is good for. Technology should enhance your experience. It shouldn't get in the way of your experience. And to that end, I've got to give the GX props because the stuff that you need is there. The safety stuff you need is there, but it doesn't get in your way and cause you to be overwhelmed. However, it is dated, and I'm hoping that uh, Lexus will consider updating this in the future, but bear in mind, they only make about 20 to 25,000 of these a year, so it is not a high-volume vehicle. Fact about it, you probably maybe have never, ever seen one. Uh, the highest uh, sales that they had actually was back in 2004 when they actually sold 35,000, which is really still just a drop in the bucket. The MSRP for the base model is 52,155 for the base, and if you go to the luxury, the one I drove comes in at $63,555. Destination charges at about $1,000. So the question is, long in the tooth or just right? You're going to have to drive one and find out for yourself. It's definitely worth the effort. When we return, of course, it's time for Tech with Sasha. So hurry back. Facts, real opinions, real talk. You were tuned in to Roadworthy Drive.
Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You're listening to hour number two of Roadworthy Drive. Ken and Sasha coming at you, but in a good way. For those of you who want more of the road, drop by our website, roadworthydrive.com. We have so much, so much to share. We do. We actually, uh, we put up some more wheels of non-consent up there mm-hmm. from when I did them last year. Right. And hopefully, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we might have some more of those available to our faithful followers. Uh, we don't want to spoil the surprise. Do we not? No. Okay. <gasps> um, and then we also added a new picture, which I would love for you guys to give me some feedback on. Mm-hmm. I think it adds a personal touch to have our picture change with the seasons as uh, much yes. as we... The background picture on the homepage. Yes, uh. yes. And then we cut, we had to separate out uh, our affiliate list for our Roadworthy Drive Minute and mm-hmm. our Roadworthy Drive Long Format. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the Roadworthy Drive Minute, for those of you who don't know is a short format version. It is 60 seconds long. Five days a week. Five days a week. Uh, mo- most Monday of the time, drive Friday. time. Yeah. yeah. All through uh, the day. Hosted solely and exclusively by the resident's own single ray of sunshine in the tech darkness, Sasha J. Little. So What? Oh, <laughs> uh-uh. No, you didn't. No, you did not just go there. Wow. Talk about a hijack and a program. That and that is why we have a US Marshal sitting in the studio, ma'am. What? What? To protect us against was, such hijacking almost, and hijinks. I almost got away with it. No. If it no. wasn't for those that's meddling a, that's kids. An H, no, no. That's an HLN program I almost got away with. No. No. Actually, it is solely and 100% percently Presently hosted by Ken Chester. Thank you. Uh, he reads out for 60 seconds, even if it takes us about five minutes to do that. Wow. I mean, I'm just saying. Wow. Edited by yours truly, though. Where's the love? I mean, we're giving you love. And I'm not feeling it right <laughs> no, now. Well, folks, in the midst of all of that, you can hear the long format on a, a podcast platform. Yes, that's right. Uh, Absolutely. Which Spotify. is Spotify and Google Play. And Google Play. And we are thinking about changing our podcast format just a little bit. So that we way, are. So that way um, people will get a different. A uh, mo- I would like to think more comprehensive. Okay. A deeper delve into yeah. what we talk about. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you want to keep up with us. The point is you'll want to keep up with us on Facebook and, and Instagram. Be sure to like us. We'd like you to like us. We already know that they like us. We don't need them to click something. Okay. We know that they like us. Okay. They should still click us, though. <laughs> but you'll definitely want to subscribe to us on Spotify. I was actually surprised how many people we got like just like that mm-hmm. on Spotify. Mm-hmm. That It's a thing. Yeah, it was a thing. It's a thing. So. Okay. Without further delay, uh, or else the suits told me there'd be fines and perhaps legal action. Or the U.S. Marshal in the back. Yeah, like I said, legal action. <laughs> They didn't specify what kind of action that constituted. Mm-hmm. But ladies and gentlemen, here's Tech with Sasha. Hello, everybody. So la- over the last couple months, we I've talked different aspects of the ag industry. Uh, I thought that it was very interesting how much technology is actually being put towards our farmers in order to help them either save money in the long run or save money or solve issues from the get-go right now. So wait a minute. You're telling me mm. that technology yes. is coming to rural America. Technology has been in rural America. Say what? In fact, 
One of the things that shocked me is that during my research on this, or well, what inspired this piece was an interview that happened where it was talking about American farmers, at least right here in Iowa, were the number one buyers of electric cars. Say it ain't so. I'm just letting you know, straight uh. from the dealership. Tesla's everywhere? No, actually, Nissan oh. Leaf. A Leaf? A Nissan Leaf. Let's see, Farmers, Leaf. It yeah. goes, to, it goes hand, hand in hand. Hand, yeah. hand in hand. But what it talks about is that farmers are always out to put keep money in their own pockets, especially right now. Um, farmers are heavy, heavy, heavy into gasoline use, diesel use, where whatever they happen to be doing on their farm, be it their cattle or agricultural. So one of the things that I think was ingenious with the ongoing technology as far as autonomous cars and as far as electric vehicles is, you know what? We're going to bring this to the ag agricultural. We're going to bring this straight to the farmers. And the farmers have kind of had the ability to do the autonomous or semi-autonomous with their tractors. And combines. And combines, right? Stop it. Uh, did you remember the... Uh um, autonomous tractors a few years ago. Yes, on progress show. yes, on the Progress Show, mm -hmm. and I'm actually looking forward to um, the a few miles from here. Actually, yes, I'm going to plan on going to that this year. So mm -hmm. I can't wait to see actually what they have there with Smart Ag right around the corner. Right. Wait, wait a minute, Sasha, and an Ag Show. What could possibly go wrong? I mean, there's so many tractors and so little time to get in them and you know rev up the engine. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Um, what I wanted to talk about is like right now, uh, a lot of people heard what was going on in Florida with a shortage of uh, uh, farm workers or agricultural workers to actually go out and harvest like the strawberries. Your very uh, grapes was another one. Labor intensive fruit uh, harvesting. Right. And there was a shortage of people and they were talking about th these farmers were watching their product, watching their dollars wilt and die on the vines. Rot in the field. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it came across that there are several different companies that are out to ease the labor shortage and actually would actually help reduce the cost of food for the consumers. And how are they doing that? They actually have an autonomous, well, they're working on, okay, because with your with your softer or more fragile fruits and such like that, a robotic arm needs to learn how to pick up an egg without cracking, mm -hmm. okay? I, I know some fruits. <laughs> oh, you mean actual, I mean, oh. Yes, like an actual big, robust, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So one of the companies that I was going to talk about is, their, the nickname is Harv. Okay, is that the company or is that the machine? It is actually um, an uh, automation company, Harvest Crow Robotics. Mm -hmm. So is Harv is what they nicknamed the actual picker? Yeah. Ah. Yes. Um, and with Harv, what he does, it's on. It's a push to automate the way that we gather the fruit, uh, the goods, without bruising or squishing, is actually what they refer to it as. Mm -hmm. Here's my question. Uh-huh. Uh, is Harv slower than, same speed than, faster than uh, pickers? And if so, how many pickers? Is this going to, are you going to do the, are you going to do the tongue twister? How many, 
No, I'm not. You're not going to do not Peter Pepper? No. Okay. So that is actually an excellent question. The question is, can a robot pick a strawberry better, faster, or cheaper than a seasonal farm worker? Okay. Mm-hmm. Both the human and the machine have 10 seconds per plant. Okay. 10 seconds is all that they allow. And they have to find a way to find just the ripe strawberries, mm-hmm. gently twist them, and then put them in a clamshell. A clamshell. Which is how they gather the strawberries. Okay, so it's a type of container. Yeah, it's a type of container. I, I had literally a clamshell. Clamshell in your yeah. Right. Well, being a New Englander. Hey, you know, now. I'm just saying. So what they're saying is, is that last year, and we're actually going to have to get back to that next next segment. When we return, more tech with Sasha, of course. And remember, she doesn't like to be kept waiting. Roadworthy Drive is America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. This is the fourth and final segment for this hour two of Roadworthy Drive. Ken Chest and Sasha J. Little handling the ship piloting duties through this channel. <laughs> what? what ship? Say? Ship? What did you say? <laughs> it's not that kind of channel? It is not. No. Ah, whoops. <laughs> Never mind. In any case, then, is back to Tech with Sasha. So when we cut off last segment, when time got away from me, mm-hmm. we were talking about how they get 10. Did it run or did it walk? Are you really? Yeah. Peanut gallery? Yeah. Just because I'm no longer there does not mean that you get to take that spot, spot over. <laughs> that is my special VIP section mm-hmm, right there. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I'm we're... just keeping a seat warm for you. I t- really? Yeah, really. That's why I've got a seat warmer built into. No. No? No. Okay. Now, anyway, they were talking about how it takes 10 seconds per plant. Okay. And how they're teaching the machine, the rep. The repetition of finding a one ripe strawberry, gently twisting them off the stems because you don't want to ruin the plant, okay, or other strawberries that might be on the plant nearby. That are not ripe. That are not ready yet. And then put them into a plastic container and what this article calls a clamshell, which you're envisioning as an actual Mm clamshell. Right. And then repeat, repeat, repeat. Are they really trusting Harv with this? Well, it's glad you asked that because there was a test run last year in Florida. Okay. Last year, Harv gathered just 20% of the strawberries on every plant on this farm without mishap. Human power. Uh, I mean, I don't think that we're necessarily going to see... Uh, humans outdo this one. I think that we're going to run into a Paul Bunyan type thing. Not Paul Bunyan. Who was the guy that did the railroad? And he went up against the steam engine to lay down the the ties? Uh, Yeah, that's uh, John. John Henry. John Henry. John Henry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be one of those situations where, yeah, humankind are going to. Well, let me ask you. Yeah. How much does a professional um, fruit picker make an hour? It depends. There is not, if you're asking for the human aspect, it really does depend on what state they're in and what the crop is. Because in Florida, they were talking about like 18. You're saying 25. That's what your article said. Which one? 
uh, the one you provided. I think that wasn't like the average, though. I think it was talking about that particular farm was, but the actual average in this one is 17. I I will accept that. Um, So anyway, what they're talking about is that the human success rate is actually closer to 80%. Okay. Human power. (laughs) Which is making Harv definitely the underdog. But um, this year's goal is to harvest half of the fruit without crushing or dropping any. Okay. So they are actually hoping to go from 20% to 100%. When? This year. Because last year he performed at 20% of the strawberries on every plant without any, you know, mistakes. Okay. 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 So this year they're going to go um, half. Okay. Half is still 50%, not 100%. Right. Not 100%. Sorry. They're going for half of the fruit without crushing or dropping any. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm Okay. Now, because they're teaching Harv, they're teaching the technology, one, what to look for, mm-hmm. and two, the right gripping mechanism in order not to disturb the rest of the fruit that is on the plant. So how many um, pickers does Harv replace? As far as like on the operation, mm-hmm. um, for this one in particular, You're saying 30? That's what it said. Again, I don't have that particular one because I'm reading off of just one that was talking about Harv. That's the one I'm talking about. Okay, then. So according to this one, it's saying that underneath they actually have 16 smaller robots that are going through that are guided by camera. Right. Okay, so for one Harv, it's 16. Well, 16 pickers, but that doesn't mean from their speed that they can't displace more. Well, right now, one Harv, mm-hmm. one of the micro right. robots right. underneath right. is programmed to do the work of 30 people. There you go. But the actual machine that is going across all of the rows, mm. you would take that 30 times 16. Now we're getting somewhere. So yeah. you're talking about Harv yes. has the ability yes. to basically replace over 400 people. Yes. Oh, my goodness. On one Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, again, but we're also talking about, and it made national news last year. Right. There is a severe shortage of availability of people. And it's not so much that, because I understand that people get sensitive when they're thinking that robotics are going to be taking their jobs. But this is one of those things where much like the trucking industry, where we can't find the drivers to operate the trucks, so autonomous trucking is going to be a thing. We're looking at this not so much to replace them, but because there's a need for it. I'll put it to you this way. Okay. When I was a kid, I picked strawberries. That is hard, bracketing work. Yes, it is. And even at $17 an hour, they're having a hard time finding people to do that kind of work in the field all day, backbreaking and getting it right. Yeah. If Harv gets to 80%, Mm -hmm. which is what the average human whose experience can get, and he's replacing over 400 that's probably when he's going to make some progress. Here it is. You were asking about the average pay. From 2014 to 2018, the average pay for farm workers rose faster than employees, jumping from $11.29 or $11.29 to $13.25. Mm. Yeah, but look here, what it would have to take if they lost the workers that they had available in yeah. order to make that work. Yeah. I mean, it, it's actually when they're talking about if they lose their undocumented workforce entirely, mm-hmm. the wage would have to jump 50%. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things where as a farmer, 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you pay? And this is what this article was actually talking about. Do you pay the wages and take the chance on sick days, injuries, um, whether or not they're actually going to stomple all over your, you know, teaching them and everything else? Or do you make the one-time investment, obviously, when Harv is working 100%, do you make that one-time investment and not have to worry about hiring anybody it again? Bo- it boils down to this. Perfect Harv? Yeah. And you have four Harvs? Yeah. That's what? Well, they four say, Harvs is 1,600 people. They say that the machine hovers over a dozen rows of plants at one at the same time, picking five strawberries every second and covering eight acres a day. I can't pick one a second, let alone (laughs) get through an acre. We're talking feet. That is hard work. Multiply hard by three or four, and yeah, it it will pretty much solve your problem. Just just to throw this in there, Mm -hmm. he's saying that he lost this farmer in particular that allowed Harv to practice. Mm -hmm. He lost around one million dollars due to spoilage last year. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Oh well. And you know what? You were right. He said this particular farmer, he was willing to pay experience picker about $25 an hour, and he still couldn't fit, couldn't do it. Oh, wow. And with that, that wraps things up for this week. Be sure to tune in again next week. More mobility news and a new tech with Sasha. Bye-bye. Bye, folks. Roadworthy Drive is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of Roadworthy Drive Productions Incorporated.